It's your boy Trav from Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, and we have a very special sponsor this week. Professional wrestler, motivational speaker, workout enthusiast, and a soldier to these here United States, Dewan O'Neill has released his very first book, Dear Dominic, which is an open letter to his son that provide a roadmap to life, paired with advice to navigate obstacles to thrive as a minority male in the United States. You can order your copy today on Amazon by searching up Dear Dominic. What's good, everybody? It's me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, and you are listening to Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Terrific Trav and Rebellious D, and we are at the week of the Great Turkey War. How you fellas doing? Are you guys ready to eat all this food on the Great Turkey War? Do you think that you'll survive? Rebellious D, what's your answer? Uh, yes, I'm going to survive. I'm going to eat my share of cranberry sauce, and uh, I am ready to rock. Trav! Hey, again... I'll make it out alive, but, it, you know, <laughs> there's definitely going to be a nap on the couch with a blanket. Oh, all, all at, at some point in time. Yeah, some point in time. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. No, but, no, guys, I'm excited for today's episode, man. It's just like we have a very special guest joining us. He's an actor, producer, writer, all-around phenomenal guy, and that is Mr. Steve Harper. And uh, I'm glad that... He responded to me on Twitter, and I slid in his DMs like I do with everybody that we have come up here on the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks podcast. So let's go ahead and give him a call. But before we do that, here's a word from our sponsors. Golden Eat Tattoo. You can find them at 3109 Airline Boulevard, Portsmouth, Virginia, for all your nerd-related tattoos. Leading the area, that is Miss Denise and her team. If you call over there and you mention Leveling Up Banks, you get 10% off your tattoo. That number is going to be 757-465-1010. Call them today. I'm ready to get into it. And hopefully we survive the Great Turkey War because it is always an incredible battle. And joining us on today's episode is somebody that is a legend in the game. He's worked on so many TV shows, produced, written, starred, mm-hmm. actor. Keep and that is Mr. Steve Harper. Steve, thank you so much for joining us up here on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for that introduction. I, I can't even live live up to that. I'm I, I Steve right now. That's, that's hey, like, like, like I said, it's just like we giving you your flowers, we giving you your hand claps, and we giving you the pinkies, man. And the breadsticks. So, uh, don't forget the breadsticks. Uh, don't forget the breadsticks. We got to yeah. give them the breadsticks. So let's go ahead and get into this, Steve. Like I said, man, huge fan. You know, when I saw you comment on my tweet when I had watched episode seven of Stargirl, like I got really excited like a fangirl. <laughs> and then when you said that you wanted to come up here and like I checked your resume, I was just like, yo, not only did he do work for Stargirl, he also did work for God Friended Me. And like that was a really awesome show that I really yes. enjoyed. So I can't wait to, you know, get to those portions of the interview where we can talk about that stuff. But first, what we always do here on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks is we ask all of our guests, what is your origin story? Every hero or villain has one. So tell everybody who Steve Uh, is. (laughs) Yes. Well, I'm originally from uh, New York. I was born in Brooklyn, grew up on Long Island. Uh, And my parents are educators. Uh, They were they're both retired from the New York City school system. And and my dad's a visual artist. So he was an art teacher. Nice. uh, Profession and also has created a bunch of stuff. And so I grew up in a household where, you know, creativity was just king. Like I would be sitting at the dinner table. I'd be writing poems. I'd be like 
writing my own comic books, drawing my own comic nice. books. You know, there was singing in my house. There was, you know, I was creating short stories. Uh, just about anything that came out of my imagination was was welcome in my house. Uh, and then I started really in the industry as an actor. Um, so I, you know, got my first agent when I was a senior in high school. Uh, uh-huh. Just auditioned for a ton of stuff, and then you know, finally booked things and. Uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff has happened. One of the things that I say about my writing, I will tell you guys this. You know, I say my dad is a major Catholic, believes in the books of the church. Mm-hmm. My mother believes in the books uh, of the horror section of the bookstore. Nice. So I would nice. come home from Catholic school and I'd be like, Mom, what's happening in Salem's Lot? You know, and she's <laughs> like, I'll be in. Good one. Uh, you know, so consequently, I write about for my, you know, my own original stuff. And fortunately, a lot of the stuff that I've done in the industry, I write what I call the invisible thing. So sometimes that involves ghosts or spirits mm-hmm. uh, in the work, but sometimes it involves things I think people aren't talking about, like race or sexuality or politics or religion, you know. And I really mm-hmm. love to sort of dig underneath the surface and get to those things that that are sort of hidden from view. And that's... Uh, that's the fun space, the sweet spot for me. Mm. Love it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that definitely sounds, uh, you know, interesting. And, you know, I can just tell by your origin story, like, you had very supportive parents because, like you said, it's like you would write, you would draw, you know, you were very creative. And I feel like that that is a blessing and a good thing when you have supportive parents in your house that, you know, push you to do certain things because, you know, I've heard stories before where it's just like, you know, somebody, they might be artistic or they might be a good singer. And it's just like when they don't have the support from their parents or their family, that can kind of derail them from, you know, whatever, you know, adventure that they want to go on to, you know, further themselves in life. So, like, that's awesome that you had parents like that. Now, I wanted to piggyback off of something that you had said because you said that your father, he was Catholic, he was religious, and your mom, you know, she read the horror books and stuff like that. Um, were there ever any times where there was any conflict? Because it's just like, say, for example, you know, you wanted to watch a horror movie or you wanted to read a book and then like your father would be like, you're not allowed to read that or <laughs> like, that's the yeah. devil. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great question. I don't think actually that's sort of the way it happened. I mean, one of the things about me is, you know, I gravitate toward, I gravitate toward magical realism more right. than more than out and out horror. So, so I sort of like took that pathway and, you know, things like God friended me or I was going to say, we can see that in the work. Yeah. Right. So, so, and I'm really grateful that that's, that's been the case. So uh, it was more about kind of like the fantasy elements for me, I think in a way. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, you know, my parents agreeing or disagreeing, like my mother, my father was a big churchgoer is still Mm -hmm. is. And my mother's just not a churchgoer. So that was sort of the big, uh, yeah. sort of debate that they had where mom would always stay home and dad was always there on Sunday. But in terms of me, uh, I think they were just really happy to see me sort of thrive in whatever creative endeavor I was in. Uh, and they're, they still are, they're all, they're cheering me on. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. That's now, awesome. Steve, I wanted to ask a question before we get away from it. You mentioned Salem's lot. Did you, or do your, do you yourself have a favorite King novel? Mm, what a great question. Wow, that's deep. Uh, one that uh, one that I found myself listening to. I listen to a lot of audible at work. I'm yeah. sort of a delivery driver of, of sorts. Uh-huh. And um, it was the Night Flyer, mm. and it's it's kind of a short one. I know that and, one? 
No, it's a short, it's a Stephen King short. Okay. It's not very long at all, but it was just, the more I listen, of course, I've listened to the it and the things like that, but it's just, he was very good with his, his word usage. It's yeah. just extremely, I don't think he gets enough credit. People just know him for it. But what was your favorite? Do you have one? Well, you know, uh, I remember reading, first of all, I have to say that one of the things, because, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm sort of a little bit more into fantasy stuff. So yes. I only get so close to horror before I feel like I have to back away. And right. one of the reasons for that is I remember my mother reading to me sections from Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Right. And just the way Stephen King kind yes. of describes, I remember that scene, I can't remember the characters' names, but, you know, the two brothers who are sort of on their way, they're like walking home and it's late mm-hmm. at night. And yep. you know, one of them is about to, you know, get attacked by the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the vampire, but they're just... Mm-hmm. The banter there just reminded me of me and my brother. And I just mm. felt so connected to those characters <laughs> right. that I started getting really scared for them. Like, you know, mm. we're sitting in the kitchen. My mother's opening this book and reading. Yep. It. So that's, yeah. I certainly remember that. But I also remember I read The Stand cover to cover. Mm-hmm. So good. Such yeah. a good, such a good book. Uh, and the, yeah. show was also, really, the show was really well done, too. Yeah. yeah, I actually didn't. I saw part of it, actually. Okay, yeah, it was really well done. Yeah, I heard, I heard good things about it. Uh, but I also, he's, he wrote a terrific book on writing. So Stephen King hmm. on writing is a, you know, it's obviously not a horror thing. But he talks about his practice. He talks about his history. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a terrific hmm. book. I'm going to look into that. Thank you very much. And I think that's too, um, you know, when you're writing, his balance of fiction and nonfiction, I think, is where it is. He he has this ability to to really connect you with his characters and just like you said with uh you know reminding you of you your relationship with your brother yeah and i think that's what it is he 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 has a very good ability of drawing people in so right yeah d to piggyback off of that like yeah. i 100 agree with you because mm-hmm. it's like uh look at it for example yeah and then when you see uh ben you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's just like when he was younger he was always brave but, you know, he was the fat kid, you know what I'm saying? But then mm-hmm. he grows up, you know, he betters himself. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, John Ritter, he played him in uh, the original movie. Right. R.I.P. John. Like, hey, he was a good looking man. You know, he was a ladies <laughs> man now. And, you know, it's like I can I can connect with Ben when I was younger. And then I can connect with him now as an adult because it's like, you know, I was bigger when I was younger. And then. I grew up and then it's like I started taking care of myself, hitting the gym all the time. So it's like I agree when you say that it's like he writes characters that you can connect with. And I feel like when you're an author and you can, you know, make these interesting characters. I mean, even going to you, Steve, like when you watch shows like God Friended Me or Stargirl Mm -hmm. and it's just like you can connect to these characters that are on the show just because of how well written they are. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for saying that. I really feel welcome. It, it, it's, For sure. that, it's the thing that I love the most and really the substance of my job, because we, especially on, our, on, on uh, Stargirl, same, similarly on God Friended Me, we're in there talking about human emotion, talking yeah. about, you know, it's, our, our entire day in the writer's room is, you know, stuff like, well, wouldn't this just happen to Courtney? So wouldn't she feel blah, blah, blah? Or how does she, I don't, I'm not sure about how she's going to react to such and such. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I would feel like this in this situation. And we just pour all that stuff that comes out of our own hearts into these characters, because I think that's what makes these shows so relatable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has a heartbeat. I agree. 
And it's like, I, I want to say Stargirl for the end. I mean, well, once we <laughs> move along, but, uh, you know, uh, like um, Yolanda, for example, uh, you know, even though I've never been in a situation like she has on the show, you know, I can relate a little bit because it's like, I know people that have been through that situation when it's come to sexting and, you know, the yes. photos getting out and whatnot. Right. And, you know, it's, 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 she's, I feel bad for her. And especially because of, you know, how it affected her family and whatnot and how she's right. viewed by everybody in the town and whatnot. So it's just like, I, I'm sure anybody that's ever been through that situation, it's like, they can look at her character and like see how, you know, she kind of became a turtle and she went inside her shell. But then when she had the support of Courtney that came out and was able to show her like, hey, you know, that wasn't your fault. You know what I'm saying? And, yes. you know, you can grow from this. It's like you don't have to stay in your shell forever. So um, that's something that I just wanted to say. But um, before we moved along, because uh, I want to ask you some questions about your acting career and whatnot. I wanted to ask you a question because you said that you would make your own comics and stuff like that when you were younger. Like, who were some of your favorite comic book characters that inspired <laughs> you to even want to do that type of stuff? Yeah, well, I, you know, you can't see all of my office, but I've got a, 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 um, a Captain America shield over there and I've got nice. a Spider-Man uh, uh, original over here. And Spider-Man really was my absolute favorite, I have to say. Great pick. Yeah, nice just yeah, right. Peter I mean, Parker. Just Peter Parker, just you know, struggling through high school, trying to be a normal teenager, uh, and also recognizing that he was had these incredible powers, and the whole sense of you know, kind of the angst that he had, and the the fear and the frustration, and how do I use these these gifts? Mm -hmm. You know, to me, there's something so universal about that in every superhero story. But Spider Man is hands down my favorite character of all time. Yeah, and I'm. I was going to say, I've noticed that Spider-Man seems to be the most relatable for kids when it comes to superheroes. Like, mm -hmm. as an, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan anymore like I was when I was a kid. Uh -huh. Like, my fandom for Spider-Man was really strong when I was a kid. And that could be because I grew up in the 90s with the TV shows and the cartoons yes. and stuff. Yes. But also, I just think he's so relatable for children mm -hmm. versus other, other superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. I understand with that. Yeah. I mean, there's something about his origin, I think, too, you know, that he was that he was a normal kid to a certain point. You right. can't say that for like a, a Superman who was never a normal yeah. kid. Right. You mm -hmm. know, and so I think that's one of the reasons why I, I find him so relatable. I will yeah. say, just since you mentioned Superman, I will say that his story is kind of interesting for as strong of a character as he is, because it's basically like, you know, they're they're trying to humanize him, trying to show him the way. Right. And I, I do like in recent time that you get to see, you know, um, whether it's Smallville, Superman, Lois, things like that, you get to see more of the, what they taught him and, you know, seeing him kind of more, more how do you say it, uh, memorialize his, his, his parents, basically, you know, with losing them and stuff. And I, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, Peter's a struggling kid. You know, he, mm -hmm. I mean, basically lives in an okay neighborhood, I guess, but you know, yeah. he doesn't have much. So yeah. you can relate how many kids have grown up raised by their grandparents, you know? Right. So, yeah. Peter is, uh, Peter's that guy. For sure. Same thing with, uh, you know, Captain America, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, seeing how, especially like when he first started and seeing his origin story and yeah, then, he didn't have anything, know, he didn't have Dirt anything, poor. but he, mm -hmm. he had a good heart, you know what I'm That's saying? Right. And, 
it's like that's why I love that because it's just like he didn't have anything, but he was brave. He always, uh, you know, he always protected other people. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And like that's why I love his character. Now, Steve, I wanted to ask you: Are you excited about the Spider-Man No Way Home movie that's coming out soon? I'm curious about it. I feel like I, you know, all of these drips and drabs of like, you know, this is happening, this isn't happening. Like it's going to be these people, and you know, I, I'm really curious about it. Uh, and so I'm I'm dying to, to know what the deal is exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same here. And I'm also I'm also super excited about the uh, the Into the the Spider Verse sequel too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. That movie was off the hook. That's what I'm. That's so what I'm more great. excited about, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for both of those because Into the Spider Verse two comes out next year, right? I know. I don't. Or did they push I'm, it back? I'm not sure on the release. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I thought it was coming out next year, but um, it's fine. We can go ahead and move along. So, Steve, I want to ask you this now. <clears throat> it's just like you said you were a senior in high school, and like that's when you got your first agent and whatnot. Like, how was it on your first acting gig? Like, do you remember that? Like, were you scared? Were you nervous? Or did you I go in there? I was terrified. Scary. It was great, but it was scary. And it also, I mean, one of the things that I think is was really useful in retrospect is I got my first agent as a senior in high school, but then I didn't book any jobs for years. You know, right. I would go to auditions and I was taking classes and all this stuff. And all the way through high school, at the, you know, the end of high school and then into college. Of course, I worked. I did, I did stuff like at school. Both right high school and college, but I didn't actually get a job job until after I'd graduated college. Mm. So it was all those years of auditioning of like meeting casting directors and, you know, failing and not getting things and all that stuff that I finally landed something. And then it was just amazing. It was just like, oh, wow, this is, you know, and it was scary. So this is, you know, this is the big time, you know, here I am in front of people and, you know, they want me to deliver and uh, all of that, you know, so, um, yeah, but I but again, I think on some level, what you do is in, in any of these aspects, and, and I'm sure you guys know that, like you practice and you practice and you practice, you learn the craft. And then right. when you're there, you're able to, you know, hopefully you're able to channel that stuff that you already know that you've been studying for all this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you can go out there and, and do some good work with the help of a right. you know, director and, and good co-stars and all that stuff. That's that's a really powerful opportunity. Yes, mm-hmm. it is for sure. Now, because earlier you had said that, you know, growing up, it's just like you were writing stuff, you were creating stuff. So it's just like you've always kind of been a, you know, somebody that's been a jack of all trades. And I know when we had interviewed Ken Michael, um, he was on the Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had been acting since he was a kid and whatnot, being a child actor. And then eventually, uh, you reach that age when you're on, uh, I think he said, it's like once you're a teenage actor, like that's kind of where it's just like, uh, try, what was it? It's like, they don't know where to send you at because oh, yeah, of how old you are. They don't really know what are. to do with you. You're limited, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. something that he did was because he grew up in music and he learned other crafts while he was acting. So that way that, you know, if he couldn't get any acting gigs, he could still do stuff behind the scenes, like with music on TV shows. So I want to ask you, you know, you were acting. What was it that led you to say, hey, like, I want to start writing or I want to start producing so- uh, shows? Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, I should say that the um, that first acting job was uh, a show, a syndicated series called Monsters, 
and it was an episode called My Zombie Lover uh, <laughs> by, by a guy named David Mish, who's who's still around, who was a, a writer for Mork and Mindy and oh, very, nice. very funny, very strong comedy writer. And Monsters was a, an anthology series where there was like a different monster every week. Mm-hmm. And I was on this episode that I was on was uh, was me opposite Tempest Bledsoe. And she basically on the night of the dead, when the zombies come back from the dead, uh, I come back and I'm a zombie who who's somebody she went to high school with who got killed in a car accident. And so, you know, and we sort of, you know, in that half hour, we end up together. So it was it was super fun and really interesting to, to sort of jump into something that was where I was really at the center of it. But the, the reason I bring that up is that that doesn't, obviously, that doesn't happen all the time as an actor. So as an actor, you know, it's really about you just roll the dice and you mm-hmm. could be the lead in one thing and then you're the next door neighbor in the next or you just don't get cast in this or you do you do a play and you go do regional theater and you're some, somewhere out in, you know, Cincinnati for six months and then you come back. And then, I mean, there's all this sense of trying to sort of put things together, which becomes and became for me really frustrating after a while. There was a period of time when I felt like I was living out of a box. You know, I would take right. my box to, to Minneapolis. I would take my box to West Virginia, you know, and, and after a while, I was kind of like, I, I want to be home. You know, I want to be like uh, in some more semblance of maybe a little bit more control of my life. You know, yeah. I want work that feels a little steadier. And all of that sort of started to move me toward the writing space, because I just thought, like, if I'm a writer, which, of course, is true now, like, I can put myself to work. I mean, right. obviously, there are times when I'm that work, I, I will be paid for that work, and there are times that I, when I won't. But you can't really do that as an actor. You can't just be like, I'm going to act today. Like, you could practice, so but sh- as a writer, you can literally, I can literally write. The writing, the kind of, the writing I do right now, if I did some stuff right now, the same, it's the same keystrokes and process as if I'm doing it for Stargirl or God Friended right. Me or American Crime. It's the exact same impetus to put myself to work. Um, and I think the, the, the one other thing I want to say about that, that sort of led to all of that was at some point I moved from New York to Baltimore and, uh, and I thought that I was just kind of like going to change my life and like leave the industry and all this stuff. And I ended up, uh, sort of by happenstance, hosting a kid's show. Mm. I hosted this kid's show with uh, this other guy. It was the Fox 45 Clubhouse was the name of the show. We came on in between the cartoons. And what was really interesting is I got to produce it. I got to co-produce it. Uh, I got to write the, the, the segments that we did. And, uh, and I was, of course, in it. And so it nice. was this first, the first opportunity for me to do everything I mean, it was obviously this sort of small space compared to, you know, monsters and the kinds of things that I had done sort of in, in the national sphere. But the idea of suddenly being a writer and a producer and, you know, generating ideas and that really taught me that I could do more mm-hmm. than just be in front of the camera, that, that whatever it looked like, there was, a, there was the opportunity for me to kind of invent as well as perform. And that's really what taught me that I could do more stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you never know where life's going to take you, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were like, you know, we had a magazine and we were, uh, we had a magazine, we were hosting telethons, we were having appearances in malls, we had, we're signing, signing autographs. I mean, this show, which was made in Baltimore, was seen in five states. 
Mm-hmm. And we were, we were so incredibly popular. And it was just like this kind of instant, uh, kind of energetic hit and creative high. And when I left that job, I said to myself, you know, it doesn't get, doesn't get better than this. It gets bigger than this. Yeah. It doesn't right. get better than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that like mindset now. though. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, even though it's like you were still on screen, it's like you were doing more stuff behind the scenes. And like how you said, like it became very popular. And I mean, like who wouldn't want to, you know, travel to like all these locations. And, you know, I love kids. I feel like kids, it's just like, they're always going to be honest. They're always going to be 100 with you. You know what I'm saying? And for them to, you know, love this show, you know, like that goes a long way, man. Now, I want to ask you because you did some work on American crime and see, like, that's what I always love about when we interview people, because it's like, I do a deep dive into learning about our guests that we're going to have up here. Now we interviewed Christopher Dontrell Piper back when we first started our podcast and he played Malik on the show. Mm. And I remember when we had him up here, he was just, you know, praising the show, you know, saying that how, awesome it was to work with the cast, especially Regina King, because he had been a fan of hers when he was a kid and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I just want to ask you, like, how was it working on this show? Because, like, this was a, you know, serious show. It dealt with real issues, and it goes Mm -hmm. to what you were saying early on. It's just, like, you know, you want to tackle these real issues when it comes to, you know, writing shows and stuff like that, so. Yeah, again, you know, what the fascinating thing, one of the fascinating things for me about working on that show, first of all, John Ridley is a brilliant, brilliant writer and a super cool guy. He and I are still friends today and he's just amazing. Uh, and he also has, you know, he and I have worked on trying to produce some things and, and uh, I continue to be connected to him. Um, but it was just, you know, I was talking before in the acting space about how I auditioned for things for several years before mm-hmm. getting them. And uh, American Crime was no different. So I had the first season of American Crime, I had gone in, I had met with John, I had met with the producer, Michael McDonald, and nothing happened. Like they didn't hire me. Right. So then my agent, the second year of the the show, my agent said, we think you're going to get another meeting on this show. And then I didn't get another meeting. And then the third season uh, a whole bunch of things happened to sort of conspire to, I had, I had a, you know, um, I, I created this web series that, uh, that, that we may end up talking about that like did incredibly well and got an Emmy nomination and all this stuff. And I had, nice. and I had heard about through my agent that John Ridley was having this party. We had the same agent. He was having a party uh, basically for all of the writers of color at the agency. Right. And other people were invited, but, you know, and I just found out about this on Thursday. The agent calls me. This is a Thursday. And she's like, you know, we're having this party. It's tonight. You know, we'd like, you know, can send you an invitation, blah, blah, blah. So I go to the party. And one of the things I learned about in creating the web series, which is a whole long story, but I read this book, this book called Crowdfunding for Filmmakers, which I totally recommend by this guy named John Tregonis. And one of the things he says, he's a super cool guy, too. He helped me with uh, do crowdfunding for my web series and gave me a lot of advice and stuff. But one of the things he said is to have a business card for whatever project you're working on that has all your information on it. Cause you're going to tell people about it and you're at a party or whatever. And they're not going to remember what, you know, what's the website, what's the URL, what's it really called? Who is that guy again? Right. So I was carrying my cards around and 
I'm with a friend of mine. A friend of mine comes up to me at the door who I didn't even know was going to be there. And she says, I want to make sure that you get face to face with John because he's, you know, he's a good, he's a friend of my family's and all this stuff. And I had met him, you know, years ago before for season one of American Crime. And I was like, great. So at some point I'm mingling, I'm talking to people. This friend of mine swings around and she introduces me to this woman. We're talking, I'm chatting and, and she's telling this woman about me and about the web series and stuff. And, and somewhere in the middle of this conversation with this woman, I realized this is John Ridley's wife. Oh, wow. I'm talking to John Ridley's wife about my web series. So I describe it to her. She was really interested in it. Uh, you know, it's, it's called Send Me. It's about a Black woman who sends Black people back in time to the days of slavery. And people want to go because uh, the way people want to people want to jump out of airplanes or do dangerous drugs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I tell her about it. And, uh, and she's like, that sounds really interesting. And I'm like, I have a card. Here's the card. Right. So I hand her the business card. She takes it. She's like, oh, I'll, I'll check it out. And so then a little while later, my friend uh, Katrina comes again and, and ushers me over to John, who's standing there in the corner, sort of, you know, holding court and, uh, and sort of the waves part and people leave and, you know, and Katrina reintroduces us and, and I thank him again for being so, so kind when I met him several years ago. I tell him about the web series. He's like, wow, that sounds really interesting. Where can I see this? And I, and I said to him, I gave your wife the card. She has the card. <laughs> right. And so, uh, so that was my re-meeting with him. And I think it was a day or two later, I got a call from my agent that he wanted to meet again. And so I got to meet him for the second time. And then, uh, and also Michael McDonald, the other producer. And within a week from that moment, I was offered the job. So, you know, it's one of those things where just the universe was conspiring to help me, you know, all of these things that I did to get to that space uh, where that door opened again was right. part of the miracle of getting on that show. Yeah. And I'm glad that you had brought send me up because while you, before you had started talking about it, I had checked it out and the concept of the show, like it sounds very interesting. And I will say that, you know, again, with the deep dives and, you know, when we have our guests come up here, you know, just hearing about send me. And then also you talking about monsters, like these are things that I didn't know about. Trav didn't know about, D didn't know about, and our viewers and listeners didn't know about. So I highly recommend checking this stuff out because it's just like, we're all fans of horror. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And, you know, just seeing that you played a zombie on Monsters, that's definitely something that I want to check out. <laughs> and then just hearing the, the plot, a short plot of Send Me and how people want to go back in time and, you know, experience slavery and how... Um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. It sounds interesting. And uh, yeah, as uh, where can we now, where can we watch this at? Do we just type in send me online and we can watch so it? Okay, all right, cool. It originally premiered on BET.com uh, in uh, February of 2016. And we got like 1.66 million views in that month. Nice. Amazing. Wow. Uh, currently it's on YouTube. So if you go to send, if you look on YouTube for send me web series, you'll find it. And there's also information on, uh, there's a website, which is sendmebacktoslavery.com, which is pretty mm -hmm. memorable. And you can see a lot of information <laughs> about the show on that website, who, who the actors are, what the concept is, all of that. And then there's a link on that site to the show itself. All right, cool. Well, definitely uh, when this video does get put on YouTube, I will include the link. So that way everybody that's watching, y'all can go and check this stuff out. 
and then we can show support because it's just like when we have guests up here like i said we like olive garden we family so we support everybody that we have come up here with us now um i want to get to god friended me because this was a show that i really enjoyed when it was first announced because I was a fan of Brandon Michael Hall. He was on the mayor on ABC. Yes, right. And, uh, you know, I had like his acting is phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? So when yeah. I saw that he was going to be on God Friend of Me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to support him because I was so heated when uh, the mayor got canceled because I thought it was a good show. And it didn't even get it's uh, I think the final two episodes never aired on ABC because it got canceled. So I was really uh, disappointed by that. But when I saw that he was going to be on God Friend of Me, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to check this show out. And I was hooked on the first episode, especially with the whole concept of, you know, him having his own podcast. And we were just starting our podcast at the time when when the show uh, first started. And, you know, I was really disappointed when it said, when it came out that, you know, season two was going to be the last season. Because I just felt like there was so much more that you could do on this show. So before I get to like those type of questions, I want to ask you, uh, you know, how was it working on God friended me? Cause I know earlier too, you said, you know, you love to, you know, have a challenge. You love to, you know, talk about these real world issues. And with God friended me, I just love that it was a show where it's just like the, not the cast, but um, the actors on the show, they wanted to help people. They were positive and, you know, I thought the whole concept for the show was just amazing. So, like, how was it working on that show? Yeah, I was so grateful to be on that show, uh, and it was really fun. First of all, um, shout out to the creators, Stephen Lillian and Brian Winbrandt, you know, who who came up with such a brilliant idea and and a really fun one. You know, this sort of mix of uh, this sort of religious space and technology, mm-hmm. and you know, and yet the show was really about on some level, it was about helping people and it was about sort of getting to the truth of this mystery of what what, what or who is behind the God account. So mm-hmm. I found that really, really interesting, really relatable. It was so fun for me to see a Black family on TV too. You know, mm-hmm. that's always cool. And uh, and Brandon, uh, who is terrific in the role and, and a really fantastic person to work with. Uh, Brandon had been Juilliard and I had also been to Juilliard as a playwright. And so we had a lot of mutual friends. And so from the moment I met him, you know, it was just really great. We just, we connected and, and the whole cast, Javizia Leslie, and just a really great group of people, professional, fun, kind. Uh, I feel like the, the stories we were able to tell and the energy on the set was mm-hmm. always positive. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I think about, you know, what I do in the industry, and and I'm sure that, again, you guys relate as well in, in all of the things you do. Like, you don't, I don't only want to be on a, a show that on TV is good. Yeah. I, want, I want it to be good on TV, but I also want to work with good people, mm-hmm. right? I want it to feel as good and comfortable behind the scenes as it is, as the show, you know, as the show is good on screen. Right. And this was one of those shows, you know, it was just, we, you know, terrific group of like 10 writers, uh, really good people, uh, and then and then for me, the show we the writers' room is here in L.A., but you know we shot in New York, and so I got to go home. I got to like hang out with my brother and my family, and you know and go take these trips to New York. You know, producing my episode and then hang out with my folks on the weekend. It was it was kind of a dream. It was really fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, it's nothing like 
being in your home state and working there, you know what I'm saying? Right. Compared to, you know, where you would normally be working at if you were in a different state or a different country, you know what I'm saying? It's nothing better than being at home, you know, hanging with the family, getting the, you know, the local foods in the area and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll say that, you know, with God friended me at the end of every episode, it, it always had me feeling good. You know what I'm saying? It, it was, it was always a feel good moment because you know, just showing how one person can go out of his way to help somebody and make a difference. Like, I thought that that was an interesting take. I will say that when the show was first announced, too, you know, I was wondering, I was just like, well, you know, you really don't see a lot of religious shows on TV. I, I remember growing up, the last religious show I remember seeing was Seventh Heaven. You know what I'm saying? Right, and yes. it was just interesting that you had this show it tackled, uh, you know, people's sexualities. It tackled, uh, I can't remember if there was one where it tackled racism. I can't remember because it's been so long since I watched the show, but it's like, there were all these issues where it tackled and I just loved it. Also too, you know, having Joe Morton on the show, I always Joe say, if, I say if Joe Morton is in his TV show or a movie, He's always going to be somebody's dad and he always knocks it out of the park. It's, it's him. And I'm mad. I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, he plays, uh, he's on, he's Cyborg's dad on Doom Patrol. I'm mad. I can't remember his. Um. Oh my God. It's on the tip of my tongue. Because he always plays fathers too in TV Dude, shows. Absolutely. And, and uh, he's Silas Stone. What is his name? I'm about to look it up. D, start talking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, one of the things that I found uh, really interesting on that show was, you know, I agree with you, like the, the family aspect and the, the ways in which we could create drama between the family. And yet the family was always, you know, they would they would always come back together, you know, which right. I think, you know, is part of what I think happens in real life. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we fight and we sort of reunite or reform in some in some way shape or form i mean the other thing too you talk about the subject matter i think cbs has often had a history of these kinds of shows you know you you mentioned seventh heaven but you know cbs had touched touched by an angel joan of arcadia you know Mm -hmm. there's kind of a lane of those kinds of shows that they do every now and then and i think those two shows actually were more religious than our show oh absolutely yeah our show, uh, you know, Stephen and Brian, like one of them considers himself a believer and the other considers himself an atheist and they're writing partners and good friends, you know. And so they were bringing both of their perspectives into that show right. and, and not really tipping the scales either way, you know, was was sort of the intention. Yeah, I never looked at it as a religious show. I mean, I get if you see the right. name, obviously that's what you go right. to. Yeah. But I never felt like anything, like, you, I mean, you brought up Touched by an Angel and stuff. I mean, that's pretty mm-hmm. much... Yes. It's got angels and all this stuff yeah, in it. And, yes. you know, it's seventh heaven. The dad's a preacher and a pastor right. and all that stuff. But yep. this was just about good people doing good things for people. Mm-hmm. And y- you can it, either way, you could be religious or not religious and still take away from the show. And that's yeah. what I really liked about it. Mm-hmm. There's always a lesson. Yeah, and I just always also, a lesson. I love the character development and how. Um, you know, the characters, they changed as the series progressed right. and they came to, you know, respecting somebody's sexuality or respecting that um, that Miles, he was an atheist. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah. he could still believe 
that, hey, maybe God does exist because of all of this stuff that I'm doing to help people. It's, right. It's like the whole concept of the show. Like it was just a it was a good concept. And I was so disappointed when it got canceled because I just felt like that there was so much more that could have happened on the show, especially when we see the season finale. And it's just like now Miles, I believe, was he in Tibet? He was. He was in Tibet. He, he yeah. was in Tibet. So now yeah. Was it because of COVID that the show had to come to an end? Or well, you know, it- it's funny. I love that question. First of all, one thing I want to say is I don't think I've been on any show where uh, the people on the show, we all stayed in touch. Like, you know, we finished season two. Right. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know whether it was going to get picked up or not because mm. uh, we were waiting to hear and all that stuff. And we had several gatherings. You know, we mm-hmm. had several Zoom gatherings and stuff. Uh, you know, COVID was just happening actually while they were filming the last episode of the season. And uh, and we were, you know, we were in touch. There were, you know, people on the show, who, the writers and such, who I'm still in touch with and mm-hmm. and all of that. And I'm still cheering on those actors, Javicia, you know, as Batwoman and, and mm-hmm. uh, Brandon's on Broadway now and Trouble in Mind, you know. And uh, so so there was a real connection, I feel like, among us but i also think that on some level in even inside the bubble it's just as confusing as you know for us as it is for the viewers like right. i can't tell you why it didn't come back like we were all like oh we you know let's do another season yeah and then we find out that that it's not happening i mean i think you know one of the things economically that that i know that we do know is you know the show was jointly owned by Warner Brothers and CBS. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that we know is that people, companies like to sort of own it all and make yeah, all the yeah. money. Yeah. So, so, but outside of that, like for example, you know, Stargirl is a W, is, is a show uh, owned by Warner Brothers and on the CW, which is also, you know, owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah, so right. they're sort of like, it's all in-house. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. perhaps the economics suggest that that's why it was canceled. But I don't really know. I'm just as clueless as you. Now, let me ask you this, and this is my final question for God Friended Me. If there was a season three, or if you can talk about <laughs> it, like, where would the show had gone? Because, I mean, I thought it was a good wrap-up. You know, everybody ended up getting back together and everything, because it's like, you know, I thought that Kara and Miles, they were going to... Spoiler alert! <laughs> you know, you know, this guy. I, you know, it's like, they kind of had a rough patch, but then they patched things up, they, they ended yes. up getting back together, but... And so I kind of feel like if the show didn't come to an end, we would have still seen the direction that their characters went in and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, if the well, show didn't come... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. It's an interesting story because the season, the series, the season finale, the season two finale that we had that had been written that was being shot when they had to shut down for COVID was different. Right. Right. And, and all of the drama was still going to continue and there was a cliffhanger and all this mm. stuff, Right. They found out, Stephen and Brian found out that the show was not getting renewed. And then they came up with the brilliant idea of how to end it. And they right. basically awesome. created that series, series finale out of bits and pieces that they had from other episodes with some editing magic. They basically rewrote and recomposed that last episode to feel like the series was ending. But right. none of us, none of that had been shot with the idea that the series was ending. Yeah. And in fact, if you go back and see it now, if you're able to find it, I think, I think perhaps on Paramount Plus, 
um, you know, you'll see how so much of that last, the last section of that episode is voiceover from Miles and yep. footage. Of, like, it's like they didn't shoot that stuff. And, and the thing with, the, with Miles in Tibet, and this is really interesting, the thing with Miles in Tibet climbing the mountain and getting to see this, you know, sort of young guy who says, right. you know, says what he says at the end, that was shot for the pilot. Oh, that's wow. wild. And had been cut from the pilot and they saved it. Wow. And then they mm. brought it back at the series finale to say that this is where Miles ended up. So yeah. all of that stuff was like, you know, TV movie magic to Yeah, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. And and it was a good way to, you know, end it because you have so many shows where it's like they get canceled and and there's no ending. On, yeah, yeah, there's no ending. The it worst. ends on a cliffhanger. So I will say that that was one of the things that I did love was that when the show ended, it's just like, this is it. And I mean, it kind of ends on a cliffhanger because Miles is in Tibet. So it's like, if the door ever opens up and, you know, you have Paramount Plus, I mean, like uh, Evil, season two of Evil, like yeah, that yep. came on Paramount Plus. And yep. you just never know, you know, I mean, the world is starting to open back up again. I know um, Glow, that was a show on Netflix, like that got canceled while they were doing season three. And I'm still hoping that, you know, they pick the season back up and then they finish the season because season three or season two, I think yeah, season two ended on a cliffhanger. No, uh, I'm sorry. It was season four. No, season four. Oh yeah, you're right. There was four seasons. Yeah. So season three ended on a cliffhanger and then season four, I know that they had started production and then because of the pandemic, they was just like, Hey, we're just canceling the show. So Mm. I'm just hoping with the world opening back up and things kind of going back to normal that, we get a proper season three for God friend of me. Cause I would love to watch that show and see yes. all of the characters. And then now you have to go with what happened at the season two finale, where it's just like, you know, characters got back together and stuff like that. Like, what are they doing now? So well, I love, I love the fan fiction of it, but I don't right, think yeah. it's likely, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, two guys, the two creators who I'm still in touch with, you know, they're currently working on uh, La Brea, which is doing very well. That is such mm. a good show. Right. And uh, and they've got some other some other projects in the works as well. I know you know Brandon is on Broadway. Javicia's Batwoman, like mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, Joe Morton uh, is on another show as well. Like I just don't know. I love the idea of it, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I don't I don't know that it's really gonna happen. So I was, yeah, I was gonna I say. My, go ahead, Joe. So I was gonna say also Brandon just voiced um. Cyborg. Yeah, Cyborg in the Injustice movie. So there's another comic yes, right? doing from the cast of this show and you doing Stargirl and, you know, all this stuff where it just yeah. comes back to to comics. The small so, world, man. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, something I was going to say, too, to go back to a question that we were talking about earlier. The actor's name is Phil Morris. He oh, yeah, Phil Morris. Oh, Phil yeah, Morris. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's just like I always say, if, if Joe Moore and or Phil Morris is going to be the father on the show, yes. it's going to be fire. <laughs> they, they always they always knock it out of the park. And then plus, it's like Joe, he was uh, Silas Stone and the Justice League movie. And I love that his role was more expanded on in the Snyder Cut the than Snyder the cut, original. Yeah. Because in the original, it's like they took him out like that, but... It's just like, you know, he played Victor's father well. And, uh, you know, like I said, Joe Moore, he always knocks it out of the park. Have you ever gone to a store and you wanted to get some nerd decor to decorate your home, but you couldn't find it? Maybe a Dragon Ball Z photo on the wall or a My Hair Academia pot to put your flowers in. 
Well, I have some good news. This is Benjamin Banks from the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks podcast, and I love to tell you about Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T. Tiny T, she specializes in creating nerd decor, paintings, floor arrangements, and seasonal nerd decor for the holiday season. You can check out all of her products on the links that we provide at the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks page. And if you use the code Leveling Up, you will get 10% off. So go ahead and head over to her website and use that 10% off code and decorate your home with any type of nerd decor that you would love to put in there. You can find her on Etsy.com slash shop slash nerdy crafts by Tiny T. And again, like I said, make sure that you use that code leveling up so that way you can get 10% off of your items. Go ahead and start decorating that home. Peace. So, uh, mo- so moving along to Star Girl, you know, and I see D. He has the smile on his face because you know we're huge That's fans nice of the show, and uh, <laughs> you know we reviewed season two. We uh, every week, you know, and it's I tell D all the time. I was just like, man, it's just so weird when Tuesday comes around and there's no Star Girl. I know. I'm feeling the same. The withdrawal yeah, is really powerful. Sure. It is. But I mean, something that me and D always mention is how we love the fact that the series, the episodes, it's only 13 episodes. So it's just like you get everything, like there's no breaks in between and everything. Yes. And it gets you pumped for the next season. So D, sure. you know, I've been rambling for a lot. I'll let you take the ball and you hey, look, ask the hey, look, we we know what you do around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh it was just um phenomenal show. Well Thank done, you. sir. I just want to say. You. I appreciate um, it. And once again, we talked about like um, the ability to connect with people. And I feel like Stargirl does a good job with all the character, like conflicts. They have their own individual problems and they have to come together and, you know, save the day. Blue Valley. And um, I just uh, I really like a lot of the characters. Rick, you know, you got Courtney and everybody, the whole gang. And I just like the. Yeah, I just like the combination of all the different extremes that they're going through in their own households. Right. And then they're about, ba- you know, and then at the end of the day, they have to balance being basically a superhero team in yeah. training. Right. So it's um, it, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, Teen Titans in a way. Very relatable because this is basically like a, a young uh, JSA, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, right. yep, yeah, I like it. Thanks. Thank you. I think. Yeah, one- yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, I- Mr. Steve. Well, I think one of the things that's so cool about it for me is, first of all, I, I thank you for uh, uh, Benjamin for re- reminding me of the one of the challenges of God Friend of Me was we kept getting preempted. I don't know if you remember that. So there, because CBS yes. has all of these things that happen on Sunday night. So there would be the mm-hmm. Emmys and there'd be the you know People's Choice. And I, I remember like walking down the street or people who knew who knew I worked on the show saying like, when's God friend of me coming back? Where did it go? You know, trust me, I was heated. <laughs> right? but, but it is one of the joys of star girl is that it is 13 in a row. And, you know, except for, I think, you know, occasionally my parents in New York, you know, it gets preempted for baseball games or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty much like, you know, 13 in a row, which is really great. And the, the other thing that I love about it, which I've never experienced on any other show I've been on is that, is that people are so connected to those comics, the original right. comic, Jeff Johns, yes. you know, that, and our fans are all over the, you know, there's a Facebook group, people are tweeting, you know, including you guys, just like people are so thrilled with 
getting to see these incarnations of of Courtney and Yolanda and mm-hmm. you know, Power Man, Power Man, and, yep. all of them. You know, all of them, uh, Doctor Midnight, and so. I feel like we really benefit from the energy and enthusiasm of the fans. It's really, there's nothing like it. There's nothing nope. like that energy. And for sure. Um, another thing too, you mentioned, you know, the JSA characters it's to me, it's something that I talk to about the guys a lot when we do our reviews and things is this is kind of a fresh take. I always want DC to shine some light on the other comics. There's so many right, of them yeah. out there. Yes. And this, this is exactly what this was a breath of fresh air. Uh, mm-hmm. Down to the the co- the uh, costume designs, the choreographics on the show—it's just very fun to watch mm-hmm. and just kind of take it in. Yeah, I have to, you know, I have to give all praise to Jeff Johns, who is, you know, not only created the show uh, and his baby. showrunner, but yep. it's his baby. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Here's, so here's what's happening right now, which happens every season. So mm-hmm. the show is filming right now. They're filming the fifth and sixth episodes of season three. Mm-hmm. I wrote episode five, so I'm watching the dailies, and I'm like, oh, I love that scene, whatever. <laughs> but the thing is, Jeff is there all right. the time. So we have we have our writer's room, and it's on Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. just like this. But Jeff is there on the ground. He's there talking to the choreographers. He's there talking to the mm-hmm. actors. They're talking to the directors. He's with the co- he's in the costume department. He's there choosing locations. Like yep. so and it all shows that stuff that really works. That that shows the quality yeah. is there is because he is you know super super involved in every aspect. And nice. I, I mean that's why you don't take these shortcuts, Banks. No, no, I was just gonna say like it's always mm-hmm. awesome when you have like the creator of a series on board because mm-hmm. I know we always talk about how with Dragon Ball Evolution. Akira Toriyama, like he had, he wasn't hands on with that because it's like they were just doing their own thing. I guess they didn't want him to be a part of that. And then we see how horrible that movie turned out. But it's just like, I I love the fact that with a lot of, you know, projects now, um, you know, you have the creators because Cowboy Bebop, which is coming out soon, uh, you have have the creators from the series working on the Netflix series. So it's like they're making sure that their baby isn't tarnished because. It's just like the last thing you want to do is to, you know, create a classic that everybody knows and loves. And then somebody yeah. else, you give it to somebody else. And then it's just like they just drop I think it. it's a, a double down, you know, in a mm-hmm. way, because if you don't nurture it, people are already, you know, word of mouth and things like that. They're already, you know, Cowboy Bebop's Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. So people will come. Exactly. Death Note is Death Note. Uh, Superman is Spider Man. All these big type people grew up with this stuff. So yeah, if right. you don't, you know, handle it right, you know, right. you're gonna overcook yeah. it. Yeah. So people will come, but the question is, will they stay? You know, right. Yeah. Exactly. Only stay if the quality is there and the character. correct. And correct. That, that's why we stay for Superman and Lois, and that's why we stay for Star Girl. Yeah, that is exactly. correct. Yeah, because I was gonna say, like for Star Girl, I know originally it was on the DCU app. Yeah. And right. then it started coming on um, HBO. It yep. started coming on the CW, and D he was the first person to say, "Hey, you guys should check out Star Girl. It's it's pretty good." And it's like I remember I started watching it because it got put on HBO Max, and I was right. hooked. And right. I just love how you know originally it was on this app, the DC app, and then it came on the CW, and with season two. It's like it still feels like it's its own thing. It doesn't feel like it's like the other CW shows. Yeah, yeah, not to knock this. I'm yeah, so not glad to knock. Yeah, no, I'm so glad to hear that. And we we actually have we 
you know, we actually have that conversation too in the writers' room. Right. You know, Jeff, Jeff has worked on a lot of the a lot of the other DC shows as well, and and we're aware of you know things that we do that the other shows aren't doing. I think it's really fascinating to me too. I was a fan of the show before I was before I was a writer on it. Right. You know, I had read a review that said it was pretty good, and I started watching. Uh, you know, when it was on the CW, uh, right after it had been on the, the app. And I was like, this is really good. And I watched several episodes and then, you know, sort of out of the blue for me, at least one of my, uh, my manager actually reached out and said, you know, Stargirl is looking for a writer and we're setting up a meeting for you and stuff. And I was like, that, that show is really good. Like I've seen it. (laughs) So I was able to say that to Jeff. Like I didn't even have, in fact, I found out, this is another interesting story. I got word about having a meeting with Jeff the day I had the meeting with Jeff. (laughs) And I think it was in the morning. Like they tell me that I have a meeting. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then the meeting was at like three o'clock that afternoon or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. I had time to maybe rush and like watch one other episode, you know, on the the CW, uh, on the CW website. But But I was able to talk about it because I'd been watching it already. And, right. and it is, it's so fun. And, and I think one of the things too, that we've been at least dealing with from the transition from season one to season two is that because season one was made for the app, you know, that was made like commercial free, just like any streaming mm-hmm. show. And then when it went on C- the CW, if, if you ever look back at those episodes, which, you know, now they're on HBO Max, so they run together. But when they were on the CW, they had commercials in really odd places and stuff like that because it right. wasn't paid for commercials. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So with season two and season three, we now build the show knowing what those commercial breaks are and right. deal, like building to the cliffhanger that we know has to happen because they have to like sell stuff in between. And that's a fundamentally different way of building a TV show than if you're not trying to hit those benchmarks. Yeah. And I really love how there's a lot of positivity in this conversation about Jeff Johns, because there's just not a lot of that on the internet, you know, for him and all the situations with big Warner brother movies and the tug of war with him and Snyder and then Ray Fisher and all this stuff. So, and I'm one of these guys where people could say things online and those things may be true, like that's their truth or whatever, but I never really judge that person based on other people's experiences because everybody has their own experience with another mm-hmm. individual. Yes. And it's nice to come up here because I've always been a fan of Jeff John since the new 52 when he came in the mm-hmm. DC and was writing all the Justice League stuff. So it's nice to come on here and be like, you know, Jeff Johns is doing this. And I feel that because, again, with Superman and Lois and Stargirl, him creating Stargirl and all this stuff, you yeah. can feel it's a passion project versus, and again, this is no knock on any other CW shows, but the CW seems to be a teenage girl drama kind of channel. And that's uh-huh. what those shows kind of, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's just their market of people. Yeah. And this show's just so different than The Flash, like what The Flash has become and mm-hmm. Green Hornet at the end and stuff like that. And you can just feel the passion in creating the show. Yeah, Jeff Jeff just loves it. He's a, he's a great guy. Like I really I really enjoy working with him and uh and I feel like one of the things that I know too for being on this show and being on other shows is you know, and and I don't know, I can't speak to what happened in these other spaces cuz I right. you know, I don't really know. Yeah. But but I can say that it's it's really challenging. It can be really challenging to deal with 
the, you know, the audience, the public, you know, mm-hmm. because there's just, I think we're, we have a culture where, uh, we have a culture where there's, it's like, there's the space of, you know, it's so easy to criticize. Yes. Right. And, and there's a culture of like, you know, you look at how many times people say, I hated that show. That guy should be shot. You know, yeah. or I don't like that actor. She should be killed. It's like, wait, what? What are we talking about? What? <laughs> you, know, you didn't like this. What? So, you know, I mean, and I think at the end of the day, especially as you get closer to, you know, being with, working with, knowing these people, like mm-hmm. they're people. Everybody's a person, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And everybody sort of deserves the respect of personhood. I know that Jeff's not online. I know he's not on Twitter. I do a lot of Twitter stuff. You know, I think it's really challenging and I've seen it, you know, even even with respect to me in terms of like people don't like an episode or people don't like a choice or people are upset with this or that. And then they they want to sort of dump that into the the pipeline of, you know, the Twitter feed. Yeah, it's it's a lot like, yeah. you know, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, you know, kind of piggyback off of that, because I know uh, me and D when we were doing our reviews, like one of the things because I love Beth's character, I loved it. You know, she's Dr. Midnight. But I always felt that like all of the other characters on the show, it's like they were more further ahead of her. You know what I'm saying? More because character just, development. Yeah, more character mm-hmm. development. But then it's just like in season two, it's like, you know, we see Beth's parents. It's like they're going through the divorce and everything like that. And it's kind of like she's still in this bubble. But then it's like as the show continues on, we see her character development, we see her growth. And then by the end of it, it's like, she's a badass. And, you know, and I feel like a lot of people, it's like, they want that instant gratification. You know what I'm saying? Whereas instead it's just like, you gotta, you gotta let it marinate, you know what I'm saying? And then once you let it marinate, then you get that gratification because it's just like, if it wasn't for Beth, uh, during the end of the season, the spoiler alert too, um, you know, the team, they would have all failed. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I just love, I love her development on the show. I love all of the characters development. I think that, you know, going all the way back to season one, like the cast is phenomenal. The music is phenomenal. The actors that are a part of the show. And when season two got to the season finale and like, I always look at, you know, who's going to be in the episode and stuff. And I had saw Keith David and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, Keith David, like, mm-hmm. what's he gonna do? And yeah. you know, me and D, when <laughs> I can't remember what episode it was where um uh where they were looking for Jade and they go to the um yeah, the I think foster that's home. Episode, yeah, episode nine. Nine, nine, yeah. nine, nine or ten. Something, it's somewhere right, right there. there. Oh and I had told D, I was just like, hey, bro, like. I looked that up and that's an actual mm-hmm. place in the comic. So mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like for season three, now that we have that, like maybe that might be the backdrop for season three. And then we get Keith David and then he's Mr. Bones. And I was just like, yo, <laughs> like, this well, is about to be dope. This yeah. is one of those situations where, you know, it, it pays to have someone who's, you know, um, well-versed in a topic being on hand, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk about the, the Flash right now, Banks, just as an example of how, you know, some of the characters aren't comic-worthy, you know? Not and comic, I think Not comic-worthy. They're not... Uh, they were created specifically for the show. Well, well, that's what I mean. And, um, you know, it's not... They're not comic characters. They're right. created for the show, and it's like, 
in this situation, I don't feel like you're going to get a lot of that. No, I don't think you're going to get any of it. I mean, one of the things that I love too is, you know, with Jeff and James Robinson in the room, you know, and they are like veritable encyclopedias of everything. Exactly. Right, right. And I mean, the rest of us, we're talking about, you know, we're pitching on emotional things and stuff like that. And and Jeff and James are in the corner going, we should introduce this character. How, what do you think of, you know, and, and it That's just awesome. goes way over my head and all these other people. And then they'll be like, boom, we're bringing in blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. and we're all like, what? You know. Yeah. And it's I think amazing. this is just the way they do that. I, I just believe that it's it's an easy way when you have them there. Like you said, they're encyclopedias and they, you know, go, it goes along with giving us fresh takes from DC, especially. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. more exposure to characters that aren't typically seen, yeah. and um, you know the villains come with that, and I, I can't wait to see what they come up with. To be honest, mm-hmm. yes, I have to say the, the 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 most fun thing, one of the most fun things about my job is, you know, because because of course I'm looking at the Facebook groups and I'm looking at the Twitter and I'm you know hearing you guys say like this would be cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. The funnest thing is like the first day or the first week of a new season. Like Jeff has it all. There's always a plan. He's got it all sketched out. And so that first day we come in, we're like, okay, what are we doing? And he's like, here's what we're doing. And he lays out, and this is amazing. He will pitch the entire season. It'll be like episode one, we're doing this. Then this is the mystery. Then this thing drops. And then over here, we think it's this. And then this will, and we get the whole map of the entire season. Wow. Like, yeah, you got to connect that first that. day. And then we got to build it. Right. Right. So, yeah. so all of this stuff about like, you could do this, you could do like, the plan is already in the works and he's so masterful at it. It's really exciting. Well, and that's what I feel like made the other two star Wars trilogies so good versus the new one is Mm. it was, let's just come up with it as we go versus Mm. this is the end. I mean, this is the beginning and this is the end. Now let's connect these dots along the way on how we get to these big, big plot points. Yeah. And uh, you can, again, if the show ended, tomorrow and i mean obviously we're getting to season three but if we didn't you feel justification and that kind of being the end even if you want more Mm. now something i want to bring up is that i thought that because you know we are in the pandemic or you know the pandemic was going on while filming was going on for season two i love the fact that the story took place in summer school you know so that way you didn't have to have that many people Mm -hmm. on set Yes. And you were exactly. able to you were able to tell a story yeah. that didn't require that many characters. And, exactly. you know, I just wanted you to elaborate a little bit on that. Like, did it make it easier for you guys? Because I know with certain shows, it's just like we have to go on hiatus until we can right. do something again. Whereas with this, it's just like, hey, put them in summer school and only have a few people on set and then bam, you're good to go. Yeah, well, straight from the mind of Jeff, I mean, A, you hit it right, you hit the nail on the head in terms of that, in terms of the ease of shooting and being able to have fewer people in the scenes and all of that stuff. You you also got, which was also straight from the mind of Jeff, the opportunity to, you know, we know that these characters were, um, you know, sophomores in the first season and right. juniors in the second, in the third season. So it's like, in order to just kind of stretch out the storyline before they graduate, Right. You know, it's just brilliant for him to put this whole season in summer school so that you're not pushing past the grade level that you exactly. need to have them in order to keep them at Blue Valley High. Yeah, and I definitely like that. 
I was going to say something cool that Marvel did for Shang-Chi because they released their behind-the-scenes episode for that movie was mm. there's a club scene, and you never notice it on film, but most of them are mannequins that are in the club. There's actually not a lot of people, and you never wow. bat an eye the whole time. So, you know, hey, you take that back and you, mannequins, way to go. You take that back, <laughs> take that knowledge back with you, and you do yeah. what you want. Hey, mannequins. <laughs> yeah, go man. <laughs> Down. What was your favorite episode of season two? <laughs> well, I'm entirely biased. So, you know, <laughs> the, uh, episode 208, where, where uh, Beth goes head to head with Eclipso, uh-huh. uh, which I had the pleasure of writing, right. and which, which we as a group had really worked on to, to try to figure out how to, you know, it's very interesting. And, and I've talked about this before, like, in the middle of all of the craziness that was happening, you know, of course, is still happening, all the, the stuff with George Floyd and the social unrest and all that stuff. Right. Warner mm-hmm. Brothers and the CW executives came to us and said, we want you guys to do something that mm-hmm. speaks, to, speaks to race, that mm-hmm. speaks to these issues in some way, you know? And so we came into the writer's room in the space of trying to figure out how we might do something that felt like the show, but still sort of touched on this area. And so the notion that Eclipso would, you know, attack Beth on the basis of her race and her gender, right. you know, taunt her in that way, which, which we were all kind of like, you know, it was, it was, it was a thought that, you know, that uh, me and another writer sort of came up with, you know, that sense of doing that was a real risk for us. We were all really scared about it. And, and then fascinatingly enough, once we got it down on paper, judges the network and studio, they were both like, can you do it more? Can you turn this? Can you, can you make, make it a little hotter? Can you mm-hmm. do this? Can you do that? You know, we got all this great feedback. So I'm super proud. That's my favorite episode of the season. <laughs> yeah. hey, and it was a good episode. And I remember because I, I usually watch the episodes on Tuesday and then D, he'll watch it on the app the next day. And I remember I told him, I was just like, hey, bro, hey, this episode with Beth, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about like her character development and her growth, because Eclipso knew that she was the weakest one of the team. And right. I just love by the end where it's like, you know, she levels up and uh, yeah. she stands up to Eclipso and he's just like, OK, uh, she isn't one to be messed with. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah I, I really loved her development this season. So that was one of my questions, I know I said I had. I also, I just, also just have to give a shout out to, to Angelica Washington because she was so fantastic in that episode. And she also not only like really took to the ideas we were doing, but she also she also had some suggestions for us. Like, can I do this? And can I right, say that? Right. You know, nice. that, that line at the end where she says, you know, I love being black. Like that was that was 100 percent her. She was like, nice. can I add this at the top of that? You know, and it's just really, really beautiful work on her part. And that's like what Tom Holland, where yeah, uh, with Spider Man, it was Spider Man, and he said, "I don't feel so good." And then yeah, that was well, that, that mm-hmm. has already been confirmed. They changed the ending because when they were filming, he said, "This ain't it," and mm-hmm. they went back to the drawing board and rewrote mm-hmm. the ending. But the other thing I was going to say, what also makes it so scary, is that when you're dealing with real life critical situations like that you want it to come off as an authentic message and not mm-hmm. the big evil company trying to get views off of a yeah. specific group of oh, individuals yeah. yeah and to piggyback off of that trap because me and d we were also doing reviews for black lightning and i remember it was one of the episodes where it's like they kind of 
uh, it was a similar situation that had happened with Breonna Taylor. Right. And like they showed like what would have had happened if there were actual superheroes and it right. took place in, you know, this world. And I thought that that was a really powerful episode just because of how like they dealt with the situation and how Black Lightning and how um, Lightning, how they handled the situation and were able to take out the cops and stuff in that scene. Right. And like how you said, it's just like you want to make sure that it comes off real, it comes off authentic, because you know when you're watching something and it doesn't come off real and it's just like, ah, they just put this there just to put it there, you know? So, you know, to go back to what you were saying, Steve, about like the episode and the situation with Beth and everything, like it felt real, you know what I'm saying? Like the stuff that Eclipso was saying to her, I was just like, like, this is messed up. Like, I can't believe that you know, he's really saying this stuff to yes. her in the episode. Well, it, feel, it also feels real because how many people probably have heard something similar? Of course, exactly. yeah. And yeah. I think the other thing, too, that I found really fun was, you know, because before, as, as I said, before I was on the show, I'd watched the show. And I saw that episode where Beth becomes Dr. Midnight. Right. And, and as a Black person, I was like, wait, she's stealing those goggles. Like, wait a minute. She's walking into Courtney's moment. You know, and so those things were already resonating in me. So when I got around to writing that scene, I was like, this is exactly what Eclipso would do. These are exactly the buttons that he would press. Right. That she would potentially be sensitive about that actually happened in the show. You know, with Stargirl being the team, the JSA, you know, you have so many DC shows. You have, you know, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Superman and Lois. You have Titans and Doom Patrol on uh, HBO Max. If you could choose a group of heroes for the JSA to team up with, who would you choose for them to team up with? Oh, if I could choose, that is not where I thought you were going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I could choose... Here's his famous curveball trying. Right? That's what I did. You had to ask one. You know, I have to say, I mean, I don't... Well, first of all... um, I don't. I have no responsibility for anything that's going to happen or isn't going to happen. But yeah. I've always been, you know, in my in my Marvel life, huge Spider-Man fan, as I've said. In my DC life, I've always been a huge uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel mm. fan. Yeah. So I would love to see just just the kid in me would love to see Captain Marvel and the Marvel family sort of show up in Blue Valley. That would be a kick. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. Like, can you imagine? It's just like. Courtney, she about to lose, and then all of a sudden you just hear Shazam. Like, oh. <laughs> Shazam. Yeah, that would be dope. That would be dope. And uh, my final question, uh, without spoiling or you know, whatever you can give away, um, what are what's something that you could tell us about season three that all of the fans should be looking forward to? Hmm. Well, uh I'm really only gonna tell you what you already know. So so okay. I feel like you know, we know we know from that last moment of, of season two that the Crocs have moved next door and this whole mm-hmm. sort of frenemies thing. So it's really going to be uh, this kind of, uh, you know, smorgasbord of villains and heroes, you know, living side by side. And what does that do? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, can they trust each other? You know, does that mean there's no going to be no crime, no foul play? Or does that mean that when something, when and if something does happen, it's harder to know who to trust. Yeah, nice. I like mm-hmm. that. So that's my like key for season yeah, three. It is going to be interesting. It is <laughs> going to be. Hey, and me and D, we are going to be doing those reviews for season three. Excellent. So 
So, um, yeah, that's all that I have to ask about Stargirl. Dee, did you have any more questions that you want to ask? No, just keep up the great work. I do have two, you know, my two wrap-up questions. And uh, okay. I'm going to get right, right cool. into them. All right. Now, Steve, I'd like to ask all of our guests here. First question, favorite 80s or 90s movie coming up? Or even now, something you might have discovered recently. 80s or 90s movie? Or both, if you have one of each. Um, wow, it's hard to even know what's 80s and 90s, frankly. But I have to say... We can help you out for the most part, sort of. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> and, you know, looking back at it as an adult, it's okay. uh, it's a problematic film, but I've always been a fan of Risky Business. Right? Mm, That's right. Oh, good movie. I just saw it for the first time last year. It's, oh wow! Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, it's it's a good one. It's uh, it's got some problems to it, but <laughs> like most eighties films, in all fairness. Yeah, but it's uh, a yeah, good movie. Very mischievous uh, decade. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of mischievous. And yeah. you know, since we're coming up on the Christmas hour, we were talking about a Christmas story, and like, if you really <laughs> break down the story of that film. And there's a lot of problems in that film. Quite a few. Quite I mean, a few. Like, that's what happens with a lot of movies from the 80s and 90s. It's just like, ah. I mean, like it worked at the time, but it's like watching yeah. it now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff gets you locked yeah. up or in trouble. That Ace Ventura. Yeah. Uh, age well. I know, right? <laughs> hey, you, well. see, you hear what they say about nope. the office. They always say it's stuff on the office that didn't age well. And if it was airing in today's world, like the show, it wouldn't have made it past season one. Yeah. Glad that stuff came out when it did. Uh-huh. But uh, I will Steve, say too, I will say too, because you might, you guys might find this really interesting. Uh, for both seasons that I've been on Stargirl, you know, Jeff is really big on, um, on uh, sort of like inspirational things. So we watch a right. lot of movies in the room. He'll assign, he'll be like, go watch, you know, we watched it. For, for season two of Stargirl, we watched... Uh-huh. That's something that me and D always said. Yeah, like we, we made that relation. We made yes, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. We watched a the lot connection. of stuff. We watched, um, uh, we watched uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. We watched... Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. We watched uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all sorts of things. So so we get to see a wow. lot of... Uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of... It's, fun, it's funny are, you said that yeah, because we his, mentioned that all his, the time. Uh, we, yeah, it was one of the first things I opened up with. Me and Banks did uh, our review for episode uh, one of season two, mm-hmm. and we just talked about how it, it was very uh, Pennywise the clown the way Eclipso starts that first uh, yep. sequence with a young lady out front. It's very uh, reminiscent. Yeah, we also nice. watched Pleasantville. We watched a ton of stuff. Mm. Oh wow. And we're doing we're doing the same thing this season, but I can't tell you what those movies are. Oh no, no. Oh, yeah. Hey, what, 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 <laughs> look, when we when we do our review, we're gonna be like, hey, like if like I guess they're pulling from this now. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, because you think right. about it, because it's like you know, the frenemies and stuff, like I can only imagine so many movies and TV shows where it's just like the neighbors hated each other. Like I'm thinking about Mary with children right now, and I'm thinking about uh Al Bundy and Marcy Darcy. Right, so, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> but no, but yeah, we're definitely looking forward to season three and we can't wait until it comes out. Oh, yeah, D, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were asking no, you're good. questions. I, we oh, started yeah. talking I'm about not... Stargirl again. Snowball, <laughs> snowball, man. Uh-huh. It's okay. And uh, my final question for you, Steve. Growing up, was there a movie, TV show, even a novel that really spooked you, scared you, and stuck with you? Was there any one thing? Wow. It could just be something eerie. It doesn't even have to be a horror movie per se. 
Well, I have to say that I've always been and was and am completely obsessed with the Twilight Zone. And oh, so watching that was my mom's those, favorite. Watching all of those episodes, you know, mm-hmm. just like the, the black and white of it all. Yeah, my man right? Rod Sterling. Yeah, he used to open that, it up. Like, you know, Talkie Tina and mm-hmm. uh, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet and right. all of that. Just like, you know, those classic Did you? episodes. I love that. Now, before I got to piggyback this one, did you have a favorite Twilight Zone episode that could come to mind? I remember there was one. The man, yeah, you know what? I do yeah. have one. Yeah, go ahead. Which it's, one? It's that I don't know what the um title of it. I don't know what the title of it is. Yeah, you'd have but, to be good uh, to know but, that. But it's the <laughs> one where the guy keeps having the dream, he's getting on a plane, and mm-hmm. the woman comes out and says, There's room for one more, honey. And he gets really mm-hmm. freaked out and he runs away, right? And so mm-hmm. then he finally uh do you guys know this episode? Then he's finally he finally goes to the very end. He keeps having this dream. He keeps freaking out. He doesn't uh-huh. know. What he, very end, he's getting on a plane. He's leaving New York to go somewhere. Walks up that runway thing, and the woman comes out. It's the woman from his dream, and she's mm-hmm. like, "There's room for one more, honey." And he freaks out and he runs the other way. Just the, sh- plane, the plane takes off and explodes in midair. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Ooh. That's Ooh. like some uh, uh, Final Destination types. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's probably yeah, what they got the inspiration from. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you like the reboot with Jordan Peele? You know, I only saw a couple of episodes of it, and I was I, I the jury's still out. I need to watch more. I, I think. think you got to be careful with that kind of stuff because I thought really was just a classic. I, mm-hmm. say, I, enjoyed I really enjoyed season. it. I like anthology shows to begin with, yeah. where every episode's uh, a different story, um, yeah. and it's hard to tell a story. And a very mm. limited time from front to Hard back. To so, that. that's but that's going back to Stephen King, like you talked about. You know, when you're talking about Salem's Lot, yeah. Jerusalem's Lot is a short story that's connected to Salem's Lot. And mm. Jerusalem's Lot is just as good as Salem's Lot, in my opinion. But it's just interesting a, a shorter version. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say on the Twilight Zone note, there was a... I have no idea what the story title was at this point, but... um. There was a story about a guy. He he wanted nothing but like peace and quiet, and he wanted oh, to read. Yes, and then Bert, at the very end, yeah, yeah, uh, and he at the very end he breaks his glasses. Glasses. Yes, <laughs> there's nobody to repair. Uh huh. Yeah, all the time in the world, but you can't see. So yeah, yep. But that's it, guys. Mm-hmm. Now I have two final questions for you because this episode <laughs> is coming out during the Great Tur- Turkey War week, and I want to ask you first. Is because it's coming up, and I need to know what's your favorite dish on Thanksgiving. Oh, no question, macaroni and cheese. Oh, hey, another see, one for the I mac love, and cheese. Another man. one for the yeah. macaroni and cheese. You know, Absolutely. Like, now, baked or cooked in the pan? Uh, baked. Okay, I, I don't know it in the pan. I don't know. Hey, you'll t- be surprised. He's been talking about he TikTok videos and yeah, well, stuff. Somebody <laughs> did put raisins in the hey, macaroni and cheese. We don't do stuff. Oh, like that. No, 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 we don't. <laughs> I draw the line there. Hey, yeah. hey look, I drew raisins. the line when they put raisins in the potato salad. <laughs> like, no, oh, right. I'll do raisins in coleslaw, maybe. Exactly, or uh, cranberries. Uh, yeah. I, I said it before, raisins only belong in trail mix, and that is it. That's, that's, <laughs> where, that's where we keep <laughs> Now, so yeah, that was the first one. And then the second one is, uh, what are some family traditions that you do on Thanksgiving that you're going to be doing this year? Well, I, th- I have to say it goes back to the mac and cheese. So my grandmother used to make <laughs> amazing mac and cheese. 
And now, no matter where I am, whether I'm back with the family, whether I'm here in L.A., whether I'm visiting friends, like I'm always making and bringing the mac and cheese. And I pull out my grandmother's recipe and I do it from scratch. Nice. Nice. You know, and I think of her and it's it's amazing. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I I know one of my traditions is after we all eat, we always go to the movies. And uh, this year I'm going up to my uncle's and I'm going to take my cousins to go see Ghostbusters. So nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fun. So yeah, so Steve, thank you so much for joining us. You were a pleasure. It was awesome thank having you, you up here. Super fun. Really glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, before we let you go, let everybody on social media land know where they can find you at. Excellent. Well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Harper Creates. Uh, also at Your Creative Life. Actually, it's Your Create V Life because I couldn't fit the extra e in. And that's the, <laughs> that's the Twitter feed for my uh, writing, coaching, and inspirational things about writers, as well as, uh, you know, as well as just uplifting stuff. So that's, those are two places to find me. And then from there, you can find me in other places as well. Awesome. Guys, what a great way to finish up the Great Turkey War. Right. And we've had so many amazing guests that have come up here uh, for this month, man. And we got one more guest coming out your way before we go into the great gingerbread award. But, uh, you know, Steve, he was awesome, man. You know, I'm happy that he saw my tweet on Twitter and you know what I always do? I slide in the DMs. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not too often that, uh, you know, we get guests up here where it's like, you know, we do like a serious deep dive and we can just talk with them about, uh, you know, projects that they've written on, projects that they've directed, you know what I'm saying? And it's also different too, because it's like, we do interview a lot of voice actors, but it's also cool to, you know, step away from interviewing the voice actor sometime and, you know, talking to some actors and stuff like that. That's right. For sure. For sure. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, with that being said, thank you everybody for listening to this brand new episode. We hope that you have a safe thanksgiving and uh before we roll out trav let them know where they can find you at a social media land that's right you can roll on over to the instagram at uh, zk audio you can find me on the twitter at t-r-a-v-i-o-s-c-k where i'm also on letterbox reviewing and rating my daily movie watches man d where they gonna find my man at you can find me at rebellious double underscore d23 instagram.com and banks, if they need a hero. <laughs> hey, you can find me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, at KingBenji underscore Banks. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Banks. I should be the first person to pop up. If not, then I need to contact Mr. Zuckerberg. Make sure that you follow all of our social media accounts at Leveling Up Banks. That is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have a TikTok at Leveling Up Banks. Go follow us up there because we're always posting new content up there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. It's at Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. We also have a Patreon. And if you're feeling generous and would like to donate to us, it is at Leveling Up Banks. Thank you to our patrons who donate to us because you really do help us out. And uh, with that being said, stay positive. Keep that pinky up. Make sure that you eat a lot of food. Have a fun time with your families. And we'll see you next time on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Peace.